Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. Brought to you by Pink Box Purpose. I'm Heather. I'm Jenny. I'm Michelle. And I'm Bethany. Thanks for joining us. While the four of us were studying the Bible together, we realized that many women have the same questions that we do. Join us on this journey through the Bible. We promise lots of laughs along the way. Thank you for joining us today. We are on week three, and we are calling this one, She's My Sister. We are covering Genesis 12 through 15. So if you haven't had a chance to read yet, just put us on pause and read and catch up. Okay, so we are talking about the story of Abraham, and this is the part in 12 where God promises a nation to Abraham. And the first thing he asks him to do is leave his country and his people. And so already Abraham is again kind of being tested to see how much he trusts the Lord, although he immediately does it without question. So I think it's really neat to, even though it seems scary or you don't know what's going to happen, to just trust God in how you move forward and things. And I think it's cool that, that God is telling Abram that he's going to bless those who bless Abram, which we'll kind of talk about coming up here, those who don't bless him, what happens. But Abraham, God, I'm going to call him Abraham. Abram, he's not Abraham yet. He was 75 years old, so... Think as that old and starting out new. Like, let's just pack up and go because God told us to. I mean, that's a big thing. And to thing. travel far yeah. at that age. So him and so his name right now is Abram, mm-hmm. and his wife is Sarai. Sarai. Like they Sarai haven't changed assist, yet. Sarai. <laughs> yes. Sarai. Was there. Um, and so then they go with his nephew Lot and they travel and Abram tells his wife when they get there to just tell the king of the nation and tell the people that it's his sister so that they don't harm them. And that was because she was quite beautiful and apparently they would just kill the husband to, to take, take the, the wife. wife. Okay. So so basically here, Abram turns his wife into a prostitute. Yeah, and says, she is my sister. And he, mm. he well, the king of that, that land gives him his animals and he gives him all these things for her. He, it, he was treated well for her sake. So if he was not, if that was not his sister, Pharaoh could have easily killed him mm-hmm. because he would want her for himself. But then God punishes the king or the Pharaoh and his people for taking the wife, which... I, I guess that part was confusing to me of why God would punish the Pharaoh for not even knowing. When I feel like it would have been Abram's sin for lying and kind of selling off his wife. But he was trying to protect himself and them. So what would you do? I'd probably sell her off too. <laughs> you want to be sold <laughs> to the Pharaoh? <laughs> not hanging out with you. <laughs> Take her, not me. Yeah, but to keep her safe and to keep you not getting killed. Just saying, people. Put yourself <laughs> yeah. in their shoes. And I'm surprised after he found out that they lied, he didn't do anything to Some, harm them. He just was like, take her and go. It was almost like them. Abram was protect, protected again because he could have easily, Pharaoh could have probably done something to him, but instead he just let them go. Well, and maybe do you think he's protected because of God's protection? They must have known because God sent all these different things to happen. The Pharaoh... That maybe they knew that he had God's protection and were afraid if they did something to Abram because he uh, he sent like all these things that happened bad to the Pharaoh and then the Pharaoh. And this one he inflicted serious disease. It says in chapter twelve verse seventeen inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household. But I think God was trying to protect or and preserve his plan for his Abram. Tree, his yeah, line. and his plan of redemption for Abram. And then chapter thirteen. So it's kind of like they just go through. Egypt. 
Egypt. It's kind of like a stop along the way. They weren't planning on settling there. Now they're just going through there, and then that's when they come to a place where they have to decide who gets what between Abram and Lot. And I actually liked that part where Abram lets Lot choose what he wants instead of just being like, oh, I'm taking all this for myself. Some choose. After I read it, it was cool how I found a side note that said that when he was able to choose, Lot actually chose the best land that had, you know, more, I don't know if it was more animals or more places to plant crops, but it was the land next to the people that were not believers or that were very sinful people. And so even though we can sometimes make choices, we selfishly choose things we think will be better. And, it, and if it's not in God's plan, it ends up being worse. Makes sense. That's mm-hmm. a really good really point. insightful, Michelle. You're on no, point today. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually from <laughs> the application. No, I just think it's cool that Abram let Lot choose and Lot chose selfishly what was better, but ended up being next to a harmful <laughs> you know, people that ended up, Abram had to save them out of that. So then they fight because he has to save them from those people and they have these armies and they fight against them. But where did they get all these armies from? Didn't it say that he had trained people? Maybe they all had armies and then they all teamed up on whichever side they wanted to be on. Down in verse 14, when Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. So maybe they were his herdsmen because they talk about how they had these herdsmen for all of their sheep and their animals and quite possibly they trained their own army. But then this army actually beats the people of the land. Mm-hmm. Abram's army beats them. And then what I like about Abram there too is that he tells the pharaoh or the king, king. the king, He tells the king of Sodom that he won't take any of their things and that he'll give them back all of their belongings. And he could have taken all of the kingdom's belongings and their riches, but he leaves them and gives them back to the king that had them. And he also gave, didn't he, oh wait, that's the king of Salem, a tenth of everything. So the other cool thing in here is that Abram gives the king of Salem a tenth of everything. And this is actually the first mention of tithing in the Bible. So this king was... I guess very prominent and when Abram gave him a tenth it was a sign of his gratitude to God and a sign that he had submitted to what is that Melchizedek yeah it would not compete with him yeah because Melchizedek is the king of Salem Um, Sodom Salem Salem Salem. Salem. two different places and then there's the other king yeah Um, so yeah so that's kind of cool it's the first mention of tithing in the Bible right there in Genesis oh after all of this then God comes to a in a vision to Abram, and he says, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And then he promises that, or he tells him to look at all of the stars in the sky and makes a covenant or promise with Abram that he will have many descendants. And I think that's where Abram gets confused because he doesn't have a son. So he's he wants to trust God, but he is confused as to how that's going to happen without him having his own bloodline son. And he's really old, <clears throat> so he is thinking how. And his wife is really old. Uh huh. Like past the childbirthing ages, like that'd be like a grandma, like a like a real old grandma getting pregnant. So they don't trust. Well, Let's and, talk about how they made the covenant. Okay. So you. They chop up some animals, and then <laughs> you put a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch in the middle of it, because that's God. <laughs> and they put all these animals around it. 
<laughs> so yeah. I'm so glad that we don't that when God makes promises to us now, I don't have to find like doves and then like find these animals and like set like them down the middle. And it was very specific too. I love that God. He would have turned me into dust right then. Like, girl, you don't got it. <laughs> you are not getting. You this are promise, not getting huh? any promises. This it's, is like the first. So the kind of the first, first time we'll go into way more detail as we get further down the line on on God's specific instructions on when it comes to sacrifice but yeah this was just cut them in half and arrange the torch and <laughs> and that was his promise but what's mm-hmm. so cool and now is that our promise is Jesus like that's all it takes there's no chopping of animals or types of rituals that we have to do. <laughs> right. Like Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, so we don't have to worry about doing sacrifice of the birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so that's the way that God talked to Abram was through his vision. And also during his, he said a darkness fell over him. And he had the vision where God says that his people would and relatives would be under the Egyptian rule for 400 years. So that was kind of a foreshadowing to what will happen in Egypt when we talk about Moses. It does talk about how God came to him in a vision. And so we were talking about what are ways that God talks to you or comes to you or when he's making promises, he's not making you chop up animals. (laughs) So I guess, how do you know that God is talking to you? I think everybody says that it's different for each person. Mm-hmm. Some people it's through prayer. Some people it's through music. Some people it's a sign. For me, it's it was always, I've had visions and journaling. Things come out on pages that isn't my writing. And that's kind of how Pink Box actually got started, was just like being on a mission field and actually driving there. And it was just like a super loud voice. And that's kind of, I mean, he... He's spoken to me through numbers and dreams and things, but it's always a super loud voice, like mission work here, mission work here, mission work here. And it's like, yeah, I know I'm already here to do some mission work. And then you find out later what you're actually doing. That's kind of how Pink Box got started. Well, mine is always journaling too. And what's cool with that is that God, for Heather and I, he he knows that we both like hear his voice through journaling. So a lot of times when there's a big deal that has to, like something has to happen, if we're journaling about it, we'll both journal. And I think that helps give us reassurance that this isn't just our own thing that we want to do or we think like there's been times where we'll journal the same thing or we'll hear the same thing. And, and then, then we'll, and without even talking to each other about it, it's just like something that you think about and big decisions and then you come back later and you're just talking about it in the car or something it's like um I had that same thing it's kind of interesting but for me too my voice is I know because God argues with me like how you said mission work you're like yeah for instance Heather wanted to give away a mission trip this last and this fall and I was like no way like we are a nonprofit. we have no money we cannot just give away like a $2,900 mission trip <laughs> And Heather's like, well, I prayed about it, and Jesus said we're supposed to do it. And I'm like, I don't care what Jesus told you in your journal. Like, yeah, your journal's not right this time. And so she's like, before you say no, just go pray about it. And it was literally like God 
being like, like arguing with me. Like I was like, God, where are we going to get the money? And it's like, no, you're giving away a trip. You're giving away a trip. And so for me, people have said, how do you know that it's God's voice? I'm like, I do because he's usually arguing with <laughs> what I think should be done or like I want to take the easy road out or even if it's like, like as simple as the one day we saw a homeless guy, the boys and I saw a homeless man sitting there by McDonald's. I'm like, I don't want to like go talk to him like we're busy we have a lot of things going on and it's like no you need to go buy him coffee like you need to just it's like little things like that that it's just out of your comfort zone things that you don't want to do is usually God or you're Mm -hmm. prompted by him or you have that little like pit in your stomach or that feeling of butterflies or something yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say is mine's a physical thing. It's like uh, all of a sudden a thought will come on and I'll want to fight it. And it's like all of a sudden like my stomach starts turning or I get like the like goosies. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, God's telling <laughs> me I should goosies. do this. And it's like anytime I get that where it's like a little bit of a fighting urge, you know, whether it's to stop and pray with somebody or do something that is scary. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things is praying with somebody like a stranger. Mm-hmm. If you listen, then after you can totally tell like that was God's purpose for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me it's it's more physical too. It's heard him once. We were at my uh, sister-in-law's church and I actually thought it was the guy behind me talking to me. <laughs> and so, so was, you heard him audibly. I heard him audibly. That's and amazing. then the other times it's been a very emotional thing where I just start to bawl. And I'm not super cry cry kind of gal, <laughs> but uh, twice I have I have known I'm supposed to do something because he just floods me with emotion. I pray out loud in the car too, so that way like that voice in my head interrupts. That's just how I am. Like when I hear his voice, I'm usually in the middle of praying and I have like mm. a voice. So for me, I pray out loud. I'm the crazy person at the stoplights talking to myself. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I heard him. I remember the first time I actually heard God was in 2015 in church. And so I've been a believer my whole life, but I, I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like you can believe, but you're not investing into the relationship. And that's kind of where I found myself. And so it was in church that I, I didn't hear him audibly, but that was the first time I knew that it was God's voice. And then I started crying. Okay, so God makes this covenant with Abram. And Abram still thinks that this is crazy because there's no possible way that this can happen because he doesn't have a bloodline or he's too old to have kids. So the question is, have any of you ever had a promise made by God that you know was from God, but you thought... This is crazy. Like, there is no way God can do this. Yeah, I can definitely speak to that. I'm kind of in the middle of it right now. Well, I shouldn't say the middle of it. I'm in the beginning stages. So I talked about how God makes me extremely emotional. When I was in Honduras last, we were leaving a village that... I mean, it was incredibly poor, just like all of them are there. You know, I've I've seen that before. It's not something that would really strike, you know, me to be that emotional about. But we had met a missionary that was working there who said their her biggest need is a steady source of food she does schooling for i can't even remember how many kids that's a big community kids a day and their their biggest need is a steady source of food i'm like well i know where you can get food i mean we have a, a food packaging program here that would benefit them greatly and that's when i started sobbing in the car um, enough so that Juanita our interpreter turned around and she's like you know are you okay and I'm like I'm 
I'm just fine. She's like, I know this is really hard. And I'm like, no, I'm not crying because of the village we just left. I'm crying because God really wants me to do something big. And I know it's going to be really, really hard. So I came home and I was telling my husband about it. And he's like, you do realize that all the logistics of this are going to be insane. And I'm like, yep, I know. We have to figure out... A, we have to, to get that many meals, so a shipping container full. We have to figure out a route. We have to figure out fundraising for it. We have to make sure it, it gets there safely. But the biggest thing is we have to put it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And right now there's nowhere secure enough to do that. That's what I'm in the we middle of right now. We got to build a building. So we need to build a building. <laughs> so that's the middle. That's I'm in the middle of that right now. Slowly wading through that and knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. So yeah, you can all pray for me about that. But also it's kind of funny because like with Pink Box, we have been through a lot of like the smaller side of like some of these things of a building as a big like the size of this building will be a huge huge thing but like just knowing that there are people to build it's like building there is so less so less yeah they don't have to get all scary. the different there's no permits, permits. there's <laughs> no inspectors there's nothing like you just have some bricks delivered and you just start putting the bricks up it's kind of funny i think heather and i we've talked that we've come to this place with pink box that if God wants something to happen, he'll make it happen. Mm -hmm. Like every mm -hmm. time it's like, and we used to worry about that. And I'm finally at this place where it's just like, even when I want it to happen sooner, we've realized, no, he has to prepare our hearts and our minds because we're not ready for it to happen mm -hmm. this big. And but, our character and grow us in different ways that'll make it so it's like, okay, now you can handle that. Like you've been through something. Now you can do the next step and the next step. So that's the biggest thing that people are in that waiting period of God's promise. Just allow God to, to grow you and to change you because he might be working through you or your heart or... Like this food thing is such a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. But people... They're like so doable. Like... Right. And it's funny how people are just getting placed in, in our paths right now that can help mm -hmm. or have some yeah. expertise mm -hmm. and in some area so mm -hmm. that's just it's been really fun to watch well and to give a statistic that we were just talking about 48 mm percent -hmm. of kids in rural honduras are malnutrition or malnourished <laughs> yes and you just we just read that like today and so knowing that this is placed on your heart and god will make sure that that's fixed it's gonna be cool yeah it's gonna be neat join us next week where we will cover genesis 16 through 21 pink box purpose signing off if you want to hear god's voice you need to turn down the world's volume pursue your purpose